0: On this episode of Retire Smarter, hear Tyler Emmerich, certified financial planner, talk through what it means to be wealthy and how your own perception of personal wealth can be a powerful force that leads you astray or opens your eyes to better outcomes and ultimately a happier retirement. Stay tuned, it's time for Retire Smarter. Well, thanks for joining us once again on Retire Smarter. Walter Storholt here with you alongside Tyler Emmerich. And uh, Tyler, I'm excited for today's show as we're going to talk about your wealth, your retirement, how can you do it better. But before we dive into all of that, what's going on in uh, in your world, my friend?
1: I'm doing all right, Walt. Um, Nothing too exciting. Um, Just... uh coming off a pretty nice and productive weekend. Uh, actually, our household was uh, under the weather most of last week. Oh, no. um, so, yeah, recovering from that. But, um, yeah, I think we're on the right path going forward. And I think, as I mentioned to you, as we were kind of coming on the, the show earlier today, that um, we, we went through a pretty decent-sized drought for a few weeks here. And uh, we finally got some uh, rain, uh, which is a welcome addition here in uh, Northeast Ohio.
0: Nice. Yeah, folks, behind the scenes, it was uh, an- another great thing that we're together today able to do this show tyler because last week you were under the weather and six so we pushed recording back a little bit and then today mm-hmm. i'm trying to get to the recording and i had to navigate through some floodwaters to <laughs> find my way <laughs> back to the studio i went out for some lunch and then everything flooded while i was at lunch and came back and said i'm not gonna be able to make it but the show went on thankfully and we were able to connect so Glad to have it you did. with us again and a dive into our topic today. So, yeah, a little bit different, uh, different angle on, I think, this whole planning conversation today and, and looking at how can we just get better, you know, wealth, retirement, our planning process. I would imagine this is a goal that a lot of people, you know, if we're not talking all the technicals, Tyler, if somebody just comes in, they're like, I, I just want to do better with everything that I'm doing. That seems like a natural place to start for a lot of people.
1: It is, right. Well, and I think you know, as we kind of dive into the, the show today, it's probably important for us to maybe even just peel back the onion a little bit on what, what does it mean to be wealthy? I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a very relative term, I mean, relative to maybe where you live, relative to your peers, maybe relative to your own personal goals and aspirations. So we all have our own definition of wealth and what it means to be wealthy. And um, it, I think that has a large impact or can have an impact on your financial planning and your outcomes and how you handle your finances. And there's a, a number of terms uh, that we can look at to kind of help quantify wealth, um, a couple that I have on for today was really looking at it from an income perspective because that's a very easy for us to look at. We can really look at clear, hard data on, all right, hey, let's break out the U.S. household population and you know break it down from an income standpoint and see where you fall. And when you look back through those numbers, the median household income uh, in the U.S. is roughly around 70K per year. And if you kind of zero in on households of married couples, uh, that number does jump up to just over 100K per year. And, you know, I I wouldn't consider the median household income wealthy, but as we start maybe jumping up and going up that scale a little bit and maybe zero in on the 90th percentile or the top 10% of household incomes, uh, the number does jump up a bit. Uh, It's a little over 200,000. And, while I'm curious, does that, um, when I say, hey, if you make 200K a year, you're in the top 10% of household incomes in the US, does
0: that feel about right to you? I I would suppose so. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's still hard in today's inflation world to get, wrap your brain around what's wealthy and what's not, right? When you see the price of a gallon of milk. But, but yeah, (laughs) well, I, I, I think most people would probably say that that feels like you're on your way to wealth.
1: Yes, absolutely, and and like you said, and I think, like I mentioned earlier, I'm sure a lot of it depends on your location and mm, uh, you know where you're at here in, in the good old U.S. But We've all seen those stories,
0: in, right, of somebody in California making mm-hmm. barely making ends meet on six-figure salaries because of the cost of living of where they are.
1: Yeah, it's amazing how it's not it's not only to that area of the U.S. anymore, right? I mean, you could probably throw Arizona in there, Texas, Northeast, up in. Uh, uh, New York and down south in Florida too. I mean, all these areas are you know pretty well sought after, and seems like the cost of living and housing prices, in particular, and things like that, have skyrocketed over the last few years. No doubt about it. That's
0: a great point. But, yeah, is that ninetieth percentile? Just out of curiosity, you mentioned household income, so that would be mm-hmm. married married homes, uh, married households included in that figure.
1: All, all households, yep, married okay. households and not. So just a pure aggregate of all households in the U.S. over two hundred k, top ten percent. And if we zeroed in on it a little bit more and said, well, all right, hey, if, uh, what's the top 1%? That's a household that has a little over 570K of annual income coming in uh, coming in per year. And obviously, you're looking at just income. That's, what I think, one dynamic or one piece of the pie. But of course, you know, assets and investments and savings and things like that aren't factored in. We're just looking at it from a pure income standpoint. You know, I think another way that I've seen it framed, which I'm going to bring up here because I thought it was quite interesting, is uh, you know, some individuals w- at their work might use uh, Slack, um, which is a communication tool or office communication tool. When the founder of Slack, his name is Stuart Butterfield, he actually had a unique way to look at and try to quantify, all right, hey, what does it mean to be wealthy? And he he broke it down into three levels. And he's like, hey, level one of wealth means you no longer are stressed about debt. Um, so Hey, you're not worried about paying off you know, credit card from month in and month out. You know, your mortgage isn't a huge piece of the income pie uh, that's coming in on a, a month in and month out basis. So that's level one of wealth. Uh, as you move up the scale and go to level two of wealth, he's like, hey, this person does not care what items cost at a restaurant. So the amount they spend on a meal is not impacted by their finances at all. And this one kind of chuckled on it a little bit because I have a brother, a younger brother, and in my household when we were growing up, one of the big things on birthdays was, hey, you got a dinner at your choice. Yeah, your favorite place, right? You got it. And inherently growing up, we were of modest means, so our um, creme de la creme place to go was Red Lobster. Nice. And so my oh, brother, the cheddar, the oh, cheddar biscuits, just, man, you can't <laughs> cheddar those. biscuits. Yeah. Yes. In my brother's case, and this would tick my parents off so much, but every time he was one of those individuals that when he opened the menu, it didn't care if it had market price next to it. That is what he was ordering, <laughs> right? So it's like lobster or crab legs, right? or oh, yeah, I felt man. like what I was growing up, and he would never finish the plate. So I don't think my parents mind actually. Pay once per year for him. But the fact that he hardly ever finished it and actually ate it, I just pushed their buttons so much.
0: Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> you, you just brought back a great memory. Uh, that, that place for me was IHOP. And and instead of dinner, we'd, we well, okay. do dinner some years, but I remember a couple of mm-hmm. specific IHOP breakfasts. And it was like, my parents must've been in heaven. And I'm like, I just want the pancakes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> pancakes. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. My, my, my choice, uh, since you said IHOP, I don't feel as Bad. My choice was always Long John Silvers, which I think is oh probably my the gosh. worst out of all. I don't these. know. That's, that's that's definitely a battle um, that's for bad. the bottom, right there. That's <laughs> bad. Yeah, so I wasn't even long gonna bring John it up. But since Silver. you said I hop, I'm saying long John Silvers, <laughs> uh, uh, all right? Please don't hold it against uh, me, any of the listeners. Long and John I wouldn't even get fish, I would get their chicken strips. Oh, so something worse. about that battered chicken. But oh uh, yeah, God. so but Stuart Butterfield, right? Hey, level one of wealth, no longer stressed about debt. Level two, you can get anything at the restaurant even marketplace anything at long john silver's you want yes <laughs> anything at long john you want and then he had this final level which was level 3 where he said all right hey if you've achieved the pinnacle you're an individual who does not care what vacation's costs right no doesn't matter whatever it is if you want to go you're going and that's how he kind of wrapped his arms around all right what does it mean to be wealthy and what does it mean to to him and i think hmm. that That is an important concept to kind of grasp is like, well, hey, of course, there's no single definition of what it means to be wealthy, but your perceived wealth and where you fit on that spectrum absolutely has an impact on your financial planning and your habits and what you do with your own personal finances. So for example, over the last couple months, I had an individual that came in and and sat with me. And uh, this individual, by all accounts, is, you know, in that top 10, uh, 90th percentile of income would be considered wealthy by most standards uh, if you were, were to ask and you know he kind of slides over a statement when we're sitting there during the meeting and I'm like okay hey what's this and he's like okay that's one of my accounts and I'm looking at it just trying to you know gauge all right what am I looking at here what are the balances and such and you know I kind of get at it and it's a balance and I'm like okay th- what are you looking at here what are we what are we trying to talk about and he kind of looks back and says well hey the account was worth you know a couple hundred thousand dollars at the time Um, actually a little bit more the dollar amount it's not extremely important but it it was a good sum of money by all all standards and I kind of looked at the balance I was like okay what what happened because the the balance was down about 90% from that and he's like well I picked two bad stocks and my mouth kind of dropped and I was like wait you, you mean to tell me that over the last couple of years you've lost you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars on a couple on just two stocks. Uh, and he's like, yeah, uh, I, I did. It was my trading account, my hobby account. And by no means in his circumstance was this going to have any impact on his other than losing the funds, but his retirement goals are spending. I mean, this is a high income earner that we're talking about here. But that that thought process and that neglect and him treating that amount of money as just a hey, I can I don't want to say it was gambling or play money, um, but really didn't put himself in a good situation, even though he could afford that loss, his perception. And I feel like the neglect on that type of account put him in a bad, bad situation. Wow. So, yeah. And and I can think about it from the other standpoint too. You know, I think about my, my parents, for example, they absolutely, I mean, my mom was a machine shop uh, foreman and my dad was a bus mechanic. I remember when I first got into financial planning and I wanted to sit down and I was like, Hey mom, dad, let's sit down. I'll I'll take a look at your finances and we'll do all these great things and do it. And my mom's like, what do we need financial planning for? We don't have any money. Mm. Right. And you know, they went through the exercise, not with me, but with other financial planners over the years, and you know, I think it quickly became realized to them that hey, yeah, that just means they have less room for error um, because they don't have they didn't accumulate the amount of wealth that maybe they she perceived to be as wealthy. I think they had a good nest egg and certainly had enough to you know get to retirement and accomplish a lot of good things that they wanted to, but they didn't perceive themselves as being wealthy, so they're like, well, why do I need a financial advisor, or why do I need to talk about? finances because I don't have any complexity but yet they didn't think about well hey I could what about refinancing my house to a lower mortgage rate how should I be saving in my retirement account are my investments diversified and all these little things that greatly impact their finances they just didn't really care to go down that path and try to figure that those things out because hey they didn't really think that it was really something that they needed so you can kind of see how the both end of the spectrums, whether you perceive yourself as wealthy or not, can certainly lead to some of these outcomes that you know, might not be uh, in your best interest kind of going forward.
0: So that's why it's important to have your definition of wealth for you, your specific definition of it, because Mm -hmm. then you can measure uh, the planning that you do and how the needle can get moved based on that planning, you know, for the for the first guy in that story, you know, wealth to him and the planning that then takes place will look different than it would for your parents. But the plan and the way that it can help somebody is still impactful. Um, So it was really
1: interesting. I agree. A hundred percent. Well, and I think about it too, uh, hearing your comments say that. I, I think back a few weeks ago, um, we were sitting down with some very, very close friends um, and a, a comment was made. We got on the topic of finance as we tend to do with this couple. And we were talking about uh, finance and he had made a comment and said well you know we're really good about making money but we're not great at, at managing our wealth and on its face value okay you know, not that big a deal but that comment really stuck with me and the reason why it did is I looked at this individual and as I know them very well I know they are extremely competent and knowledgeable in areas of investing and tax uh, general financial planning principles I mean by all intents accounts it didn't even cross my mind that this individual wouldn't feel they could manage their wealth, because they had all the knowledges and to- knowledge and tools to be able to do it efficiently and effectively and and be, be perfectly fine. It kind of sat with me so much that a couple weeks later, when we were talking, I kind of brought it back up. I was like, Hey, what do you what did you mean by you guys are good at making money, but not great at managing wealth and side note that I knew they were good at making money. They're in the top 1% by those definitions that we had talked about. So they were doing very well for themselves. But really, I was like, well, what do you mean by not great at managing your wealth? And, you know, his answer surprised me. And it really talked about how, hey, I really feel like we need someone to put these decisions and financial pieces together because they had a very, by all intents of accounts, a pretty complex financial life. I mean, they had children, they're both working, they you know, do a lot of gifting, they had some tax considerations to be thinking about. I mean, they do quite a bit of things, so I understand that, you know, hey, they do have some complexity here. And his argument was, we have this complexity and it's hard to really boil down decisions to the nuts and bolts to make effective decisions. Like, how does this affect that? And, you know, he brought up the decision like a couple of years ago, not a couple years ago, about a year ago, they were considering buying a house. And, you know, it just kind of fell by the wayside. And he's like, you know, looking back on it, you know, our family's grown. We're, we need a house. We're, we're outgrowing the house that we're in. Um, it was the first house that we purchased. We want to be in a better school district and all these things. And he's like, you know, I kind of talked up that decision on buying a house to interest rates are high, housing markets high. I, I'm just going to yeah, I'm not going to do it. But yet looking back, if we would have really got down to the nuts and bolts of the decision and how maybe stretching or if even if you overpaid for a house, okay, if we're going to be in it for the next 30 years, does that really an impact and, and something they're willing to? be comfortable with that, hey, I overpaid for the house, but I just found my house for the next 30 years type decision. So, and you know, he made a couple other comments about just timing and how busy they are, and that, okay, hey, I focus on investments, because that's what I enjoy. And I look at it, but all these other things around tax and making decisions to move the family forward to where we're trying to go kind of get lost by the wayside, because those aren't decisions and, and things that he necessarily enjoys, um, you know, planning around. So it was really eye-opening for me. And as I thought back to some of the families that I'd worked over the years, and I was like, well, okay, that's why a lot of individuals work with financial planners, right? You know, it's our job in its most basic sense as a financial planner is to give clear, concise, actual advice to help make informed decisions. And to maybe even take it one step further, once we give you those tools to be able to make a decision that's best for you and your family, all right, hey, how can we make the implementation as easy as possible? All right, hey, in their circumstance, I wanted to buy that house. All right, now, how do I find a realtor? Where's a mortgage broker? You know, how do I decide how much to put down payment on a house? Do I go with an adjustable rate, a fixed rate, right? There are a multitude of decision points that go into something like that. And having someone that can not only help you wrap your arms around making the decision, but once you do, all right, hey, here's what you need, go here, this is where we can get XYZ, this is the type of mortgage you want to target, whatever, you know, that's very, very valuable to someone that might know how to make the decision, but doesn't necessarily have the time to go in and wrap their arms around making the best decision for them and hold them accountable to actually do it. So I thought it was quite fascinating, maybe a little bit different than our conversation around. All right. Hey, how is your perceived perception of wealth? But I thought it was a good little segue that we could kind of sneak in here um, that I think would resonate with a lot of the listeners.
0: Yeah, I think it would big time. I mean, just look at all those different perspectives, right? I don't have enough to worry about planning or this part of my plan and of my finances isn't important enough to warrant planning. You know, like I can afford to lose it, so therefore it doesn't need a plan. And then your friend's thinking their perspective, they're good at all of those little things individually. It's just seeing the full picture that their perspective was like, oh, yeah, we're not very good at this. So you have a lot of people that are like, I'm not very good or um, this, this, this needs to improve, yet kind of almost don't view themselves as... I don't want to say worthy because that sounds a bit too severe, but uh, but but I'll say it worthy of the plan and the time and the attention. And you kind of illustrate no matter what your situation is, that that planning can can really help people figure out their perspective, first of all, and then get a plan that's appropriate for it.
1: Absolutely. And even still, I mean, I think most of our listeners are probably on the doorstep to retirement or in retirement. So that perception of wealth kind of trickles down into, all right, hey, I've built wealth, maybe I've done some financial planning to get me to a point where I can retire and live a happy, healthy retirement. Hey, that's great. But now what, right? How do I start using that wealth and managing that wealth for better outcomes for me and my family? Um, Because as you think about just individuals in retirement, I mean, there are a lot of things coming at you on where you can spend your money, um, and what you can use your money on. Um, I mean, an infinite number of of choices that are out there. And, you know, as I look at financial planning in our profession, you know, uh, in the industry, we joke around a lot that, hey, we're psychologists, right? And and we have a lot of those conversations. I think there's some truth to that. I mean, I think when when I look back on, you know, my personal development, and the things that I focus my time on to get better as a financial Planner, I mean, there's been a number of hours spent on, for example, spending and how to manage your wealth in a clear and efficient manner. And a lot of that uh, data that's out there on retiree spending, it's very robust, but, you know, a lot of it really tends to skew towards the fact that, you know, when we look at retiree spending and where they're where they get the most enjoyment out of spending their money uh, there's a lot of heavy weight put on that hey experiences are where a lot of retirees get their most joy and it's a really good uh, place to be spending your money as you think about retirement and uh two weeks ago i actually had an article that came across my desk that uh, the headline caught me because it you know reflected the fact that hey Let's not lose sight of or discount the happiness boosting potential of actually buying and purchasing material things as well. I mean, not every family or individual fits in this box that says, all right, hey, experiences are where I should be spending my money in retirement. But if you you're looking at that data and trying to understand it and how it applies to you, I think thinking through where you want to spend your money, whether it is experiences or material things, I don't think that's as important as, hey, w- how is this going to impact your life and what enjoyment are you going to get out of it? You know, as I think about At this time of year, uh, summertime, we have a lot of families that are coming in for their yearly progress meetings. And progress meetings for us, um, what they're doing is they're coming in and we're spending the bulk of our meetings talking about their financial plan, their goals, you know, how has things changed from last year to this year, are we moving in the right direction, and what type of expenses and spending and goals are we trying to accomplish over the next year, and have we positioned your assets in a way that is going to get you there efficiently and effectively. So a lot of these conversations are um, about spending and where individuals and families want to be putting their resources. And just last week, we were sitting down with a family where we were um, going through the plan results. And, you know, talking about the update and that year to year progression and by all accounts, their financial plan looked great. Well, I mean, uh, the tank of plans, they're not going to run out of money. There is no way. And uh, the husband actually even made a comment. He's like, well, hey, it looks like the kids are going to inherit a decent amount of money, huh? And I kind of chuckled, but it actually triggered me a little bit. And what I mean by triggered is, is like earlier on in the conversation, when we were just getting caught up, uh, they had mentioned to me that their son was actually looking to move back into the area. And, you know, if any listeners are out there where they have children that are in another state, I mean, you hear, A, I might be able to get one of the kids back closer. I mean, that's a they, big deal, all, right? They're all I in. Mean, typically, come on, right? yeah, yes. And throw grandkids into the mix. I mean, they were they were very very hopeful, and it seemed like he was going to be uh, going to be the case, and he was going to actually, you know, he's set on moving back, which I think is great for them. Um, but they were talking about how he was looking for houses. And uh, a house came up in their neighborhood that was actually close uh, in proximity to them. It would be good school district, it kind of really checked a lot of the boxes, but it was outside of his budget, uh, and his family's budget. And, you know, his chosen, you know, as I think about like his chosen profession, and, you know, kind of his background, I mean, he has a wonderful career, but it wasn't a career that was going to afford him a really high income, or, you know, be something to where they're going to be able to create a lot of wealth and Build through their income, right? Um, and you know, I'm sitting here talking, uh, walking with this family who actually had accumulated en- enough wealth and had been fortunate enough to be in a situation where they did have high incomes and did the right things and saved. And I kind of sat back and I was looking, I was saying, "Well, hey, didn't didn't you say um, that your son was looking for houses and one came up and it was a little outside of their budget?" I was like, y- "You thought about just you know helping them buy the house?" And, you know he kind of sat back and it took him a second and they were just digesting and i could clearly tell that they didn't really think about it that way and you know as we start thinking about going back to perceived wealth this was a family that did not perceive themselves as being wealthy by all accounts they were but they didn't perceive themselves as being wealthy. And that possibility of being able to spend on a material thing, right, like a house, which all the studies show, all right, hey, you want to buy experiences, you want to do these types of things. But for them, I look at that, being able to help their son get into a close proximity to them, be in the good school district, you know, set themselves up, and in a situation where there would be a lot of enjoyment and family time that come out of that. I think looking at those purchases and where they're spending money, you know, there's a lot of value add that's in there. And you know, my job as a financial advisor is to really geek out on all the things on how you can get it done, right? I mean, then I when they gave me the okay, I was like, oh, well, hey, we can gift highly appreciated stock or hey, we could do a family loan, or hey, there's all these cool things we can do to be able to get it in a tax efficient way, or, you know, in a way that benefits both families. But at the end of the day, you know, thinking through spending, that's why I think these progress meetings and spending time on your financial plan and updates are so vital, and so important, uh, is because decisions like that, that you might not think is possible, if you don't into the weeds and you have a set time to discuss and talk through them you know they might not have ever thought about like oh well hey what are we going to get this house or maybe we help them they didn't end up getting that house by the way but i think their their whole mindset on the transition and the move has changed significantly from that conversation which i I think is going to give them better outcomes in the long run
0: it's really cool to see um, had, how that comes together, Tyler. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Oh, it is. Well, we had an advisor that was in the office. The way he always explained it, he's like, hey, you would always rather give with a warm hand than a cold hand. And I was like, oh, well, I guess that eh, kind of makes sense. That's all right. But that's oh, the way yeah, he described it. Little, is it right? A little you odd, give with yeah. Warm hand? That's a cold hand. <laughs> I was like, eh know. But hey, if, if that's, if that's what resonates with you, and some people get a kick out of it, but that's how he explained it, right. But it's, but but in all of purpose, it's a perfect, it's using your wealth in a way that benefits you, your family, and promotes, you know, good life experiences. And that kind of as we segue and kind of thinking about finishing up and wrapping up here and kind of my last point on the podcast, I think it's a it's a nice segue. I had a, a, one of my uh, families, an individual that I've worked with for a while now, he had sent over a link to me to a YouTube video that uh, I kind of wanted to share. I can't share the video, but um, I wanted to, the concept uh, I wanted to talk about because I think it's very prudent. And uh, the title of the video, or not the title for specifically, but the way I think about it is it's Think in Times, Not Years. All right? Times, think in Times, times, not years. Not years. So, what does that mean? Right. And maybe even another way to think about it is thinking number of times, not years. So, it's real easy, right, to get caught up in, hey, what's the new latest news cycle? What's going on in the world? I mean, we got a lot of things thrown at us on a day in and day out uh, basis. The words, I think it's really hard to lose sight of. Like ultimately, what's important to you in life? Um, really, really? And I
0: thought it's been kind of a slow new news year. At time. <laughs>
1: it's been wild. I used to in twenty twenty. I was like, hey, this has been a crazy year, right? I'd say that all the time. And then twenty twenty one, hey, this has right. been a crazy year. And then twenty twenty two, historically bad bond market. This has been a crazy year. I can't say that anymore. But it's all going right. to be crazy. It, yeah, it, 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 it is right. A lot, a lot that's going on. And it's not going to change. But you know, I, I, I think. Retirees thinking in a perspective or thinking in terms of number of times or thinking times and not years is extremely important So what do I mean by that? But the video had a nice visual on it um, where it kind of broke down um, and Basically, what happens is the way I want you to think about it. So take your average 60 year old Um, So if you're 60 years old typical life expectancy, let's say you're gonna live till or your life expectancy is till age 90 So that means you got 30 years left So about two thirds of your life's behind you, not necessarily abundance of time that's left. And I'm not saying that negatively, I'm I'm really wanting to say that because I want to drive home the importance of using the time you have left well. So in this scenario, you're 60 years old, life expectancy is another 30 years, you got about another 30 years left. So instead of thinking about that in 30 years, think about that in number of times left. So you can think of it and say, well, okay, I got about 30 more Christmases left. All right, hey, I take a trip to Florida one time per year and I always swim in the ocean, I've done it my entire life. Okay, well, you're probably not going to be able to travel uh, those last 10 years of retirement, let's say. Maybe you're able to go maybe another 20 more trips. So that means that you're going to swim in the ocean 20 more times, likely, before you pass um, and this whole concept of and the way that they have straight in the video it's like literally like you're just taking it out and writing a slash on each things that you kind of have left and the t- typical things that you do per year and then thinking you have in terms like wow this is about how many more times I'm going to be able to experience that and the one that kind of hit home for me was I mean I got two little girls at home so he, had, he had the comment of the presenter was during the first 18 years of a child's life They will have spent about 90% of the time they will spend with you during that first 18 years, Mm. because at 18, they move out of the house, right? right? You're seeing them less frequently. You know, you think about even if you have um, one of your children that moves out of state and you get to see them a couple of times per year, okay, well, you might only get to see your child 60 more times, 40 more times and actually going out and seeing them. So I think it did a great job and I love how it illustrated the point to say, hey, time is precious, where you spend your money is even more precious. And understanding that I think give, lead you to better outcomes to spend your money and your wealth on r- the resources that you want to and the places that you want to that are going to you know, make that time as most beneficial as possible.
0: Well, I'm thoroughly depressed. I'm sitting here as you're talking about <laughs> know, all that time going through. I've only got this many times left with Tyler, that <laughs> right? I mean, But uh, that's vacation. how eye opening it is. I've got and I'm I'm thirty five, right? And so I'm sitting here going, Oh my gosh, uh well, you're kind of right. I've only got this many more times to do this. And if we do go on a vacation, maybe we've only got, uh, you know, that, this many vacations left in us or whatever the case may be. And you, you got lost talking about it. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I've, I've got some aging grandparents and luckily got to see mm-hmm. both sets of grandparents just two weeks ago and was kind of doing some of that same number in my head of like we could literally be down to zero for I mean, this could mm-hmm. be the last one. Or, okay, may, I can make it back for Christmas, and then th- there's that one. But, boy, even if they exceed kind of current life expectancies, ah, we might be down to three or four. And I'm hoping it's many more than that, but that's the reality that you start to get hit with. And you're you're broadening that out even further to just, like, all of your life experiences, thinking it's, of them in the number of times. That's really effective.
1: Oh, absolutely. Or, yeah, one of the things that they brought up was like books. If you're an avid book reader and, you know, you say you read 10 books a year, your life expectancy is, you know, 30 years. And how many more books are you going to be able to read? Make sure you pick your titles appropriately.
0: Right. Do I want to spend Um, my time appropriately on the books. Yeah.
1: It does, yeah. So I think it's just frame of mind, right? Whether it's your perceived level of wealth and how you treat your money, and or, or hey, where do you want to perceive or your the best use case of that money? Being very deliberate about it and making sure that you're trying to take a holistic approach to those decisions, I think is you know, extremely, extremely important. And as I kind of think about like a couple of closing thoughts here, it's like hey, don't let your own personal perception of wealth lead to those negative outcomes, um, and you know, get to a point of clarity and confidence with your own personal Personal wealth and financial planning to allow you to focus on and spend your wealth on what really kind of really matters to you um, and I think that'll give you the power to make those better decisions.
0: Well, Tyler, I really appreciate you bringing this topic up, going into depth with it on the show today, because I, I'm going to be honest with you, when I saw the, the headline and, and the description, and you know, I was kind of like, okay, this would be a nice, light, fluffy episode, but you've given so much to think about, and we went kind of kind of deep in these conversations today that, yeah, I think my perspective on some things may change, and just seeing how important it is to really, well, I guess this is what it comes down to, it seems like you and Kevin and the True Wealth team really inspire all of your clients, wherever they are on that Spectrum of planning, um, where they are on the wealth spectrum that you kind of laid out for us, that Stuart Butterfield kind of had, and then like the percentiles. <laughs> right. Wherever they are, it seems like the one constant is you're always encouraging your clients and the people you interact with to just be more intentional with their mm-hmm. dollars, more intentional with their thinking behind how they spend your money. I think that's really influential when someone's getting ready to retire because. You spend your whole life working, right, and accumulating. You're kind of just pummeling money as, as best as you can maybe into those accounts and planning for that future, but rarely do you actually get to do a lot of planning for that future. And, and it's sometimes mindless how money just goes right into a 401k or automatically into an IRA. There's, you almost lose some of that intentional uh, purpose for those dollars down the line, and that's what then has to get all defined when you guys start working. So you know, it just kind sure. of strikes me. Just you, you want people to be really intentional about their decisions. I
1: think it's a wonderful way to wonderful way to put it. Um, I wouldn't say Prior to me getting in the industry and, you know, this is my chosen profession, but my personality lends itself, my personality, excuse me, lends itself to be kind of more happy go lucky, right? Internal optimists try to be. Um, but you mentioning and bringing up the term intentional, I think from my own personal, um, life and, you know, where my family's going and things like that over the years, I've become much, much more intentional, um, with what we're doing, not only with finances, but experiences and, you know, the way we try to raise our kids and all that other good stuff. So I think it, it stems out into anything that you do in your life. The <laughs> But yeah, it's a good way to put it intentional.
0: Great sentiments today, Tyler. Thanks again for sharing that. And I uh, mentioned to you, if you're listening to the podcast today and you're enjoying what you're hearing and you want to get some more of it, but maybe in a little bit different format, I would definitely encourage you to sign up for the e-newsletter that uh, Tyler and Kevin and the True Wealth team put together. It's a bi-weekly newsletter that goes out, keeps you up to date with what's happening uh, in the financial world, things that you should be thinking about if you are just thinking more intentionally, since that's our or sort of, you know, word for the day to kind of end things here, Tyler, if you're thinking more intentionally about your finances, could be a great additional resource for you to add to your email list. I know we get a lot of, we all get a lot of emails. <laughs> uh, I can promise you there's a lot of good value in these emails that come from the True Wealth team. So if you want to sign up for that, we're going to have a link in the description of today's show that'll take you to the podcast landing page on the site. And you'll see in the sidebar where you can put in your name and your email and subscribe to that newsletter. So it's pretty easy to do. It's on True Wealth Design Dot com and again we'll link to that in the description of today's show that's where you can also go to set up a visit with a member of the true wealth team if you want to have a 15 minute conversation just go to truewealthdesign.com and click that are we right for you button and you can schedule a discovery call with uh tyler kevin in true wealth design uh tyler thanks for all the help on the show today enjoyed this one with you my friend and uh, we'll look forward to chatting with you again in a few weeks sounds good see you then very good That's Tyler Emmerich. I'm Walter Schorholt. We'll see you next time Retire Smarter. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed. All performance reference is historical and not an indication of future results. Benchmark indices are hypothetical and do not include any investment fees.